2: WPHD
1: WPHD HD, WGL, HD3, Philadelphia From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios Where relationships matter Always live on the free Odyssey app The revolution will be broadcast This is the next generation of talk Now, this is The Drive at 5 30 minutes
0: of non-stop talk With Rich Zoli. All right. We got a lot to chat about. Larry Krasner. Yeah, he's going to go soft on the looters and the rioters in Philadelphia. No surprise there. And uh, the judge in Donald Trump's civil case in New York is a total lefty lunatic. No surprise there as well. Welcome back to the show. Gladiator here, 855 839 1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. But let me shift gears for just a moment and talk about how Biden is destroying the immigration system in the United States of America. We know what he's doing with the open borders, obviously see the invasion occurring but there's another side to the story as well here to discuss with us sam peak senior policy analyst at americans for prosperity sam how are you today hey i'm great thank you for having me absolutely first of all before we get into your article about uh, biden's visa rules give me your overall take on on what you think is uh, going on at the southern border at this moment
3: it's out of control we're seeing a situation where we don't have the personnel that we need to, to apprehend and intercept people and turn them away. Uh, a well-staffed border is, the, is our biggest deterrent, and we have not hired the staff that we need to control the system. Meanwhile, uh, people are, are claiming asylum, and they're able to just come through here, and that is taking up Border Patrol's job. They're processing people instead of securing the border.
0: Sorry, I was muted there. I think they're like Walmart greeters. Isn't that probably a good analogy? Well, I mean, in some cases,
3: they're making sandwiches instead of uh, for, yeah. for migrants instead right. of, instead of uh, expelling people.
0: So you so, have a piece in the New York Post, which I think is excellent. Biden's H2 visa rules are hurting migrants and small businesses. First of all, what are H2 visas? So
3: H2 visas are the tried and true programs that a small business or a farmer would use to hire over a worker the legal way. They would have to go through all this process, get approved by uh, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Labor, and then they would come for the season, they would work, then they would leave, and then they could uh, come back the next season. Uh, So this has been the way that migrants seeking economic opportunity come to the United States. But what Biden has done is he has uh, enacted all this red tape. He's more than doubled the fees. And he's made the program uh, basically unusable for countless small businesses, countless farmers. And we're seeing this transformation of our immigration system where the legal ways of doing things are closed off. And uh, people who do things illegally, whether it's people crossing the border illegally, whether it's employers hiring illegally, people who are doing things illegally are being rewarded now
0: people who do things illegally are being rewarded now that is absolutely true and and what happened with the venezuelans in new york where you know yet the governor of new york in one day is, is screaming about how the border is closed they love the statue of liberty but you know new york is over capacity and then the next breath they're going on about oh oh thank you mr president for letting all these venezuelans have uh, have have legal status
3: well, the right to shelter in New York City has been a magnet for people coming here, uh, and, and it's it's costing, it's costing taxpayers in New York City millions. They're, they're cutting their budgets by 15% across the board in order to house these migrants. Uh, so the immediate solution for this is to abolish right to shelter. But beyond this, though... When Biden issued uh, the deportation protections and work permits to these Venezuelans, this was a last-minute thing. About a month before doing that, the Biden administration actually said, this might make the crisis worse, this might encourage more people to come. But Eric Adams, he said, we need people to work, can they apply for work permits? And so finally the Biden administration just gave in Mm -hmm. and gave them – the ability to apply for uh, to apply for work permits but here's the problem here is that you can't expand the humanitarian protections and try to turn this into like a work program when you're taking the work visa programs for people who come here legally not illegally and then restricting that trying to turn the asylum system into a work visa is like trying to uh, put a square peg into a round hole and it's only going to cause more people to come here illegally. And it's going to threaten our national security.
0: Yeah, no, you're right about that. I mean, that's the thing. It's a giant incentive for people to come here. Don't you think?
3: It is. And it's, a, it's not just an incentive for people to come here. It's an incentive for people to, co- to come here and rush the border. When you have a legal way of doing things, when the legal channels, the H2A and H2B visas are accessible to, uh, employers that means that they're also accessible to the migrants who need economic opportunities and when those things are accessible people are able to wait in line and eventually come when there's a legal way to come why rush the border and come illegally why take the j- dangerous journey but biden has eradicated that he's made it so that employers uh they're going to have to get uh they're going to have to get, give all of their uh, employee information to labor unions that they hire an immigrant uh, through these visa programs, and the the labor unions can just call the the worker now. The labor unions can now visit the the farm and fish for the most mundane of infractions. And so, this is just you know this is insane right now to hire one um, guest worker from abroad. Costs a farmer ten thousand dollars with all that paperwork. It's insane, and a lot of family farms just aren't going to be able to um, use this legal program anymore.
0: So let me ask you then: Do Americans get harmed by this? I mean, Americans who are looking for jobs—do they get screwed over in this whole process?
3: I think that that argument makes a lot of sense for the for people who are coming here illegally, because when you come here illegally, you don't have this—you don't have these wage protections. You don't have any of these procedures that protect American workers. Uh, when people come through on the legal way, then what the business has to do is they have to try to recruit an American first for two months. Um, and, if they, and if they're not successful in doing so, the department of labor calls up any rejected applicants. If any applicant does get rejected um, and then uh, the the employer gets punished and um, and possibly uh, banned from the program if it found out that they did not reject an American um, for a good reason, right? Like they were unable to do the job. But um, so mostly with, with the work visa programs, it's areas of America where the labor market is always tight. So farmers, Mm -hmm. they have trouble hiring workers because they're in rural America and not a lot of, uh, not a lot of, there aren't a lot of workers there. Um, uh, places in like upstate New York and, um, in Maine, right. Where the, the local bed and breakfast owner might need, um, a few more people to come. So when you have people come through the, um, illegal way, you end up in a situation where people are huddled in large cities and they may, they may find jobs that's often illegal or they wait a long time for a work permit. And then they're also using a bunch of, uh, local services, But when they come through the legal way, they they go through areas of America where employers really need workers. Uh, It's a lot of old people in these areas. It's uh, rural. And uh, they could use that economic growth there. So it's, it's not just about who's coming in. It's about how they're coming in. And when they come through these employment based channels, it's the it's the uh, parts of america that are most economically depressed that are served and so we should be reinforcing that and biden is doing the opposite
0: that's a very good point you just made sam and and, and i think that and sam peaks with me senior policy analyst for americans for prosperity what what is the ultimate goal here i mean what's the big picture 30,000 feet what are they trying to do here
3: in my opinion i think that they're trying to change the psychology of foreigners who come here when you come here seeking economic opportunity, you have a can-do attitude, you wanna provide for yourself and for the people around you and for your employers, mm-hmm. but w- and, and you're self-sufficient. But when, you come through, but when you come through illegally, your only option is to apply for asylum. And when you apply for asylum, you have to have your story about how you were persecuted. And you're creating this, this incentive for people to, 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 to tell the saddest story possible. And there are some people with very valid cases, of course, but there are a lot of other people who they just want to work and they would rather not have to tell their sob story to an immigration judge, you know. And so instead of um, a mentality of opportunity, we're, we're creating a victim mentality um, for our foreign-born population. And I think that the ultimate goal is to, is, to keep, is, is to objectify immigrants as people who can't provide for themselves.
0: And then, and, then, and then what happens then? They, they can't provide for themselves, so then government benefits have to come along, and they, they, they become drains on the system, I mean, ultimately. And then it also sends a, a message to people, I think, which is, why come here legally when, if you come here illegal, illegally, you wind up getting all these these bennies, right?
3: That's right. It, um, it, it grows the welfare state and it exhausts our resources,
0: yeah, no no question about it. Sam, thank you very much for coming on today. Your piece over at the New York Post, I'll post a link to it, which is uh, entitled "The Biden's H2, v- H2 visa rules are hurting migrants and small businesses. You wrote this along with Daniel Garza. Thanks for joining me here in Philadelphia. I appreciate it.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: It's the 5 o'clock happy hour, happy hour. <laughs> Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday. Now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code COLE at GrandHotelCapeMay.com.
0: All right, so Larry Krasner, the pathetic district attorney of Philadelphia, who is absolutely on the side of criminals. It's funny, you know. Last night I went to the FOP Lodge Five in the Great Northeast. Saw my friends from the uh, Philadelphia Police Department, also the firefighters who were there, the families behind the Badge Children's Foundation, my buddy Mark O'Connor, who did a great job last night. He he always does. I mean, Mark does a phenomenal job. I think uh, running that organization and and just raising money for people that re- you know really needed families of Of the fallen uh he does a fantastic job and also too one thing i'll mention you know everybody there i would just casually bring up larry krasner and 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 the same reaction all across the board just the guy is a disaster they hate him he's destroying the city and he hates the cops also want to give a shout out to bob white my buddy bob white he did a great job last night emceeing the event for the families behind the bad children's foundation this is larry krasner take a listen
2: I'm not going to let any judge disturb the peace of this city.
1: The DA calls it individual justice
0: and says everyone involved in the looting will be looked at on a case by case basis.
2: We'll look carefully to see whether this is a one off situation and they're fundamentally law abiding people, hold them accountable one way, or whether they are criminals and they're all about taking advantage.
0: Whether they are fundamentally law abiding people, looters, looters, smashing store windows, stealing private property, whether they are fundamentally law-abiding people. How are they law-abiding people if they're looting and rioting? Out of curiosity, how does a law-abiding person smash and steal and steal goods that don't belong to them? How does that person, in in what universe is that person a law-abiding person? This is the mentality of Krasner. One more time, Matt DeSantis, please.
2: not going to let any judge disturb the peace of this city. The
0: DA calls it individual justice and says everyone involved in the looting will be looked at on a
4: case-by-case basis.
2: We'll look carefully to see whether this is a one-off situation and they're fundamentally law-abiding people, hold them accountable one way, or whether they are criminals and they're all about taking advantage.
0: Whether they are fundamentally law-abiding people. People who were rioting, looting, stealing, destroying private property. (laughs) This guy is, I mean, this guy is a cancer. Larry Krasner is a cancer in Philadelphia. This George Soros funded prosecutor, thanks to my buddy Tom Skopinich, the official lawyer of the Zioli show, ScopeLawyer.com for sending me that clip. Great guy, Tom Skopinich. Krasner is such, a, is such a cancer, a, a virus on the s- city of Philadelphia. How anybody can make that statement, you know what it proves to me? Exactly what I've been telling you for years now. Krasner is a Marxist. He views criminals as the victim. They're the victim of the system. You see, it's a victim of, they're victims of the system. The system, the oppression, pushed them to act out. They were so angry about the fact that a judge dismissed the charges against that Philadelphia police officer that they were just acting out. Fundamentally, they're law abiding people. Sure, they stole things. Sure, they destroyed private property. Sure, they caused chaos. Sure, they caused calamity in the city of Philadelphia. But they're fundamentally law abiding people, you see. It's just that they were reacting to the system, the oppressive white supremacist capitalist system, and that's why they lashed out. But they're fundamentally law-abiding people. This is the way a Marxist thinks. This is the way a kook like Larry Krasner thinks. That clip right there, what is it, 30 seconds, is everything I've ever told you about Krasner summed up in one thirty-second clip. But it's also everything I've told you about George Soros summed up in one thirty-second clip, which is, if you're going to take over America and tear it down, destroy America, so that you can rebuild it in its Marxist vision, the Marxist utopian vision, you have to get people elected at the prosecutorial level, just like Krasner, and that's how you take it over. By treating criminals as the victims, letting them tear society apart, letting them run wild like the Joker, burn it all down so you can rebuild it. These people are doing a service Larry Krasner. These criminals are doing a service to him. He wants the city to burn. So does Jim Kennedy, the mayor. They want it to burn to the ground. The only answer from a district attorney should be there will be zero tolerance. We intend to throw the book at every single person who was out there looting. Every single one of them. We don't care what their excuse was. We don't care if their mom was mean to them. We don't care if they had a bad teacher in school. We don't give a damn. They looted. They're going to prison, period. That's what a prosecutor should say. But Larry Krasner is a defense attorney. That's what the guy is. He's a defense attorney who hates the cops. See, the cops are part of the problem here. The cops led to this situation. Had the cops not killed that guy that night, had a judge not dismissed the charges against the cop, then none of these people would have ever acted out that way. They're fundamentally law-abiding citizens who just had a moment, you see. But it's not their fault they had a moment because society did this to them. The capitalistic, heteronormative, paternalistic, white supremacist system did it to them. That's how these kooks think. This is why George Soros is winning. This is why I tell you America's at a tipping point. This is why I tell you when the left wins, America loses. When the left wins, America loses. Because guys like this are going to let, he's going to let these looters off the hook. He's going to let these people off the hook. What an absolute travesty of justice to have District Attorney Larry Krasner say those words. We are going to look at this on a case-by-case basis are these fundamentally law-abiding people. How is anybody who loots a law-abiding citizen? I didn't loot, did you? Nope. How does anybody that goes in and steals things and takes advantage of that a law-abiding citizen? You're not, except if you think private property rights are a bunch of BS and you think that everybody's entitled to anything they want. And how dare they not have a TV if they want a TV? How dare they not have a new pair of Nikes if they want a new pair of Nikes? They should be entitled to whatever they want. Capitalism is standing in their way of getting everything that they need. So they're law-abiding citizens just taking their fair share, you see. This is how a Marxist thinks. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Here's another clip for you, too. As a woman is getting arrested in Walmart, she's screaming about white supremacy and the racist cops. Uh, Let me see if I can find this clip for me. Matt DeSantis, I know you have it here. I've got my very, very long cut sheet. I have
4: it. It's fifteen. Cut. That's right. Cut 15. You want to read the description for me? Uh, yeah, so uh, this is a woman who's in a Walmart. She gets caught shoplifting. Um, I don't have the video as it un- uh, initially <clears throat> unfolds. Like uh, it's This is after the fact. Um, so she's on the ground wrestling with a cop who's trying to put her in handcuffs. She's an enormous woman. She is
0: large. like bigger than Meatball, or as oh, big, or like same than, si- like same size. Bigger
4: than Meatball. Larger than Meatball. She is a big girl. Yeah, riding around on one of those and, scooters. <laughs> I didn't see her on the scooter, but I, yeah, we've we heard that she was on a scooter initially. So this cop looks like a pretty big guy. He is not strong enough to move her, so she's basically just laying on the ground in this Walmart, um, screaming at the top of her lungs, and you'll hear what she's screaming in a second, and the whole store is now surrounding her with their phones out, recording and laughing at the scenario. But this is her uh, on the ground wrestling with, uh, with the cop. Enjoy. <laughs> Got one shoe on. Is 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 you get the idea. It just goes on wow. for a, about two minutes. But this is why these
0: stores don't want their employees to get involved and call the cops because they scream racism when you try to arrest shoplifters, and that hurts their uh, ESG scores. So the companies just want to let them walk out. So you know what'll happen: the employee will call the police in Westchester County. That person will get fired. Yeah, I could see that. That's why it's going to happen.
4: Uh, by the way, this is in New York.
0: Yeah, Westchester County, New York. Yep. Uh, also, breaking news. White House cocaine dogs at it again. President Joe Biden's German Shepherd commander is seen biting a White House staffer days before it bit a Secret Service agent in new photos that were just revealed revealed by the Daily Mail. So White House cocaine dogs, I told you this, this is my blockbuster movie that's coming out. Joe Biden's German Shepherds, who have sniffed Hunter Biden's cocaine, the cocaine that was at the White House, Nobody knew whose cocaine it was. Well, those dogs, high as a kite on cocaine, biting everybody. My movie, White House Cocaine Dogs, is going to be bigger than White than cocaine bear. Mark my words. This poor guy, this old man, getting bit by the crazy, coked-out White House dog, Commander. Get your tickets now. It's going to be <laughs> huge, my movie. Just telling you.
4: <laughs> telling you. People are going to line at, uh, up outside. They should.
0: Trying to get a a ticket to the midnight showing. And don't pull a Lauren Boebert in the theater, not on my watch. (laughs) Oh. Too
4: soon? (laughs) (laughs) Imagine having to sit next to that.
0: I mean, you'd be a little jealous, right? (laughs) Just saying. Uh... Fox News, Peter Doocy asking the White House about uh, the carjacking of Democrat Congressman Henry Coolier who was a victim of an armed carjacking in Washington, D.C.,
5: uh, cut 13. How are you going to blame Republicans for this? Isn't D.C.
2: run by a bunch of Democrats?
6: I'm going to speak to what the president has done, right? The president has been very, very right. straightforward about what he has done to make sure that communities are safe. American Rescue Plan, not one Republican in Congress voted for it. Not one. There were billions of dollars in that plan, in that in that act, to make sure communities across the country got funding so that they can indeed hire more police officers so that they can keep their communities safe. Republicans had nothing to do with that. They were not involved in that. They decided not to vote on the American Rescue Plan. That's just a fact.
5: So if President Biden's policies are helping bring crime down, would he be comfortable with somebody borrowing his Corvette and parking it on the street overnight in southeast D.C.?
6: I'm not going to get into hypotheticals. I'm just going to get into the facts about what this president has done in this presidency. One thing that somebody was asking me about bipartisanship, he was able, as it relates to... You know what he should do,
0: by the way? What he should do is have a dog sit in the car. And then these coked-out dogs, if anybody tries to come carjack his Corvette, will just bite them. Cocaine White House dogs can also be the guard dogs. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you
4: don't want to lose that Corvette Stingray. I think no, the, you
0: put him in the back of the Corvette, some jackass comes over to, to steal the car, tries to, tries to jack it, and then the two dogs, Master and Commander, Commander and whatever, <laughs> jump up at him and start biting him. Cocaine White House Dogs 2, the revenge. Well, I think you're right in the plot for the first one still with this
3: story. Maybe they lose their status as being the White House Dogs. They gotta find their way back somehow and they get hired by a, who Henry Cuellar and a
5: Sit to sit in his car and bite and eat carjackers.
0: We did an act two for the movie, so I think we just nailed it. Yeah, it's
3: right
5: now, there.
0: Now, why don't you copyright this for me, uh, Henry, so that uh, Glenn Beck doesn't steal it again.
3: <laughs> I'll, I'll get on that right now.
0: God, these national hosts always stealing my ideas. Cocaine White House dogs, Act 2, is when the dogs are kicked out of the White House for being coked up and biting Secret Service agents and White House staffers. So then they're put on guard dog duty in the back of Biden's vet. Biden's vet gets out of the Wilmington garage where all the classified documents are and then is left on the streets of D.C. Carjackers come over, the White House cocaine dogs jump up, rip the arms off. It's a fantastic movie. We still need an Act 3, though. I know. Then they go back to the garage and they eat all the classified documents that are in Biden's Wilmington garage. And it'd be like the dog ate my classified documents. This is brilliant. I'm telling you, I'm getting out of this radio thing and I'm going to Hollywood. I don't think because Hollywood's are. doing
4: much better than radio. Obviously, you you keep sharing these ideas with the, with the whole world, and they're going to swipe them. You got it.
0: Well, I'm, I'm to expecting yourself. the two of you to write this down and immediately trademark it for me. This is your job. What do I know about filing a trademark? I'm not. You know what do you know about anything?
3: <laughs> exactly. So why tell me to trademark something?
0: You don't even know a damn thing about sports. I ask you for a <laughs> prediction, you get it completely wrong.
3: <laughs> oh, what's your prediction? Let's hear it then.
0: Hey, listen, listen, pal. I don't pretend to know a damn thing about sports, all right? I thought last night Aaron Nola was going to score a touchdown. So you don't bust my chops. Aaron Nola is pitching tonight, actually. Right, and tonight he's going to kick a field goal. So don't <laughs> even get on my back. Fair. That's fair. White House Cocaine Dogs, Part 2, The Revenge. What happened to the classified documents, Mr. President? My dogs ate them. White House Cocaine Dogs. You people got to think. You know what I mean. You gotta, you gotta stretch your imagination here. All right. And Maybe one of the dogs can run for speaker. Yes, Matt Desantis. I was going to ask: Is there going to be a third film? Uh, it's a trilogy, and Christopher Nolan's directing it. <laughs> I've secured Nolan. It's a big get. It's a big get. It's huge. And and, and also too, uh, what's your name's going to be in it? Uh, Margot Robbie. Oh, I like. Can I? Can I have something
4: to do with this film?
0: No, absolutely not. But Margot oh. Robbie is going to be, the, um, she's gonna be the, the, the antagonist in the movie. Who uh, go, That's the bad guy, right? She's going to be the one that gives the dogs the cocaine. But it's, it's, at the end, you're gonna, she's going to rip her mask off, and it's going to be Hunter <laughs> in Margot Robbie's body.
4: That's unbelievably disturbing.
0: This is a fantastic film, and I'm going to be a very, very rich man.
4: You just gave away the twist, though.
0: Yeah, and Glenn Beck tomorrow is going to be tweeting about it tomorrow.
4: If he mentions uh, Margot Robbie and Hunter Biden in the same tweet, then we know he was listening. That's true. By the
0: way, you know, Aaron Rodgers may not be doing much these days, but he is coming up with good zingers. First of all, I hate Taylor Swift, and I really, really hate Travis Kelsey. I hate the the whole thing. If tomorrow America said, as a law, I don't like a lot of laws, you can never mention these two ever again. Is there a nickname for this couple yet?
4: No. No, No, thankfully not. Yeah. We should come Uh, up with that too. (laughs) Also, I don't think you're allowed to say that you don't like Taylor Swift.
0: I just said it, Swiftsy. How about that? Is that a thing, Swiftsy? Like Swift and Kelsey? Yeah, I'm not buying that. No. So you saw you saw that Kelsey the other night did a did a commercial for Pfizer, right? Yeah, it was yeah. for
4: the uh, COVID vaccine and then the flu vaccine.
0: Yeah, he likes two things at once, which is basically his little subtle way of saying he wants a threesome. I got I got the, sub, the subtext there. <laughs> he wants a threesome with Taylor and one of her friends. He goes, oh, two things at once, right? And he gets his flu vaccine and his COVID jab at the same time. Mr. Big Pharma here. Aaron Rodgers took a shot at him. He was on the Pat McAfee show. Cut 12.
7: I think there's some sentiment that there's some sort of moral victory out there that we hung with the you know with the champs and and that uh, you know our defense played well and and you know uh, Pat didn't have a crazy game and uh, you know Mr. Pfizer we kind of shut him down a little bit he didn't have you know his like crazy impact game obviously he had you know some yards and stuff but
0: Mr. Pfizer I love it I like Pharma Show better but Mr. Pfizer works okay. <laughs> Good for you. He should have, What he should have said was, "Mr. Swift, the Pharma Show." That would have really emasculated him, if you asked me.
4: Looks like one of the popular nicknames is Swelsy.
0: Swelsey. That's
1: terrible. You know what a Swelsey yeah.
0: sounds like? It sounds like something you got to call a plumber for at your house. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, is this roto rooter? I got a Swelsy here. That's what that sounds like. That sounds like when, after the White House cocaine dogs go to the bathroom
4: on your yard. Wait, what was you your of What? What was your nickname again? Um it actually was, it was swiftsy. That's actually better than swelsy. Yeah,
0: swiftsy. Cuz they have they call people who are Swift fans Swifties. And by the way, if there's a guy out there who considers himself to be a Swiftie, I will punch you in the face <laughs> the second
4: I see you. You're not allowed to dislike Taylor Swift. I've tried to explain this to Wait a you. second.
0: Is this not America? What? Co- I know you went to Harvard, and you are deep down inside a Marxist, but what, <laughs> what about America says, I can't hate Taylor Swift?
7: The fans.
4: Everyone says so. The
7: I'm fans. I'm not
0: afraid of these people. She's 90 pounds soaking wet. A grown man who considers himself to be a Swifty deserves a shot in the face. What about this am I worried about here? 13-year-old girls coming after me?
4: <laughs> you have to yes. conform. You have to be a Swifty.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not conforming. I refuse. <laughs>
4: they're going to come after you.
0: Good. Let them. Yeah, that's what I want. I want a bunch of girls chasing me around Citizens Bank Park yelling at me because they're not happy about me that I don't like
4: Taylor Swift. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible night. It's going to happen. Good. The Swifties, uh, the Swifties won't care for this one bit. Now can Mr. Pfizer
0: still uh, you know perform after getting the jab or what? I don't,
4: I don't know why you
0: well hit. that's one of the rumored side effects I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, 855-839-1210. We still have a lot of uh, show left ahead. Larry Krasner, of course, what a disgrace. I played you that clip. I'm going to get to it again. The judge in the Trump case is an absolute Marxist lunatic. The president, former president, coming out and saying this is a total witch hunt, of course. And uh, the latest on the speaker fight. But I want to tell you about Jerry Hovavo because I am loving, I mean, absolutely loving. I know I've been very fired up the last two days. Part of it is that I'm driving the XC40, and this thing is so fast and so rugged and I feel on top of the world when I drive it because I'm high up again. I was driving the S60 which I love. It's a beautiful sedan and I called it the Batmobile because I'd be driving a 95 and look down at the speedometer and I'm going 100 miles an hour and I didn't even feel it but you know I'm not the tallest guy so Maybe a little Napoleon complex. I wanted to be a little higher up. So I got the XC40 from Cherry Hill Volvo, and I love it. And in a few months, I'll try something new. See, I'm in a program called Care by Volvo. When you sign up for Care by Volvo through Cherry Hill Volvo, one payment includes insurance. Yes, car insurance, prepaid schedule maintenance, tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, excessive wear coverage, and more. And after five months, you have the option Change to a different Volvo, experience something new, that new car smell every five months. You can cancel the lease altogether or keep the Volvo you have. It's the flexibility you deserve, but it's only available at Cherry Hill Volvo where relationships matter because they are the Volvo dealership that stands with us. We broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios. So in this age of cancel culture, choose the Volvo dealership. That stands with us at Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, and whether it's a certified pre-owned Volvo, a brand new Volvo, or a lease, including this amazing lease program, Care by Volvo, you will love the experience that Judith Krupnik, Yosef Cohen, and the entire team will deliver for you. As a Costco member, you get additional savings, and when you utilize Care by or uh, excuse me, Volvo Finance, you'll save an extra twenty five hundred dollars. So go there today, right over the bridge, easy to get to the region's most accessible Volvo dealership right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill where relationships matter Cherry Hill Volvo
1: The only Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app
0: oh, Henry, I hate your guts I really do I, I hate you words can't describe the hatred at this point. Uh, Welcome back 855-839-1210 glad you are here today on a Wednesday. It is red October of course we will check in with our buddies at the ballpark uh, in the next hour Dan Baroski and Anthony Dorenzo who are down there so that'll be great. We'll have that uh, conversation with them. Let me turn to the trial of uh, former President Donald Trump shall we? So the judge today lost his cool apparently started slamming the table and you know the The thing about this, which uh, I find fascinating, is that this judge is a radical kook, as you know. The guy's also a big drama queen. He really is. He's a big drama queen, this guy, this judge. And he, he wound up today in court, according to the New York Post, slamming his hand on the bench, losing his cool, and saying, this is ridiculous, he said. The Manhattan judge deciding Donald Trump's $250 million civil fraud trial lost his cool on Wednesday, slamming his hand on the bench and snapping, this is ridiculous, as the former president's lawyers grilled his ex-accountant over inconsistent testimony. The judge's annoyed reaction came after Trump's side claimed that Donald Bender, a partner at the accounting firm Mazers USA, was evading their questions. The attorneys had also repeatedly insisted they needed to meticulously go through Trump's financial records with Bender year by year. Don't waste time, Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Arthur Erdgaron said sternly. Trump attorney Jesus Suarez had spent part of Tuesday afternoon and all of Wednesday morning cross-examining Bender and said he would continue with the questioning through the end of the day. This is ridiculous, the justice said, hitting his hand on the bench. Mr. Bender isn't on trial here. Another Trump attorney, Christopher Kai, said the only thing Bender seems to recall or what the government wants him to recall. So you see, the president can't have a fair trial here. The former president. Excuse me. I don't want Jimmy Matthews to lose it. We need to be allowed to parse the evidence. We didn't bring this case. Trump's attorneys argued. Alina Habe also of Trump's legal team chimed in. We haven't got one answer from him. He has no memory as we sit here. So you can't even cross-examine witnesses here in the case, people that are making accusations against the former president of the United States of America. This is the whole thing. It's just absolutely amazing. Here's uh, Trump. Here's the judge. By the way, the judge is a total kook. You may have heard this clip before, but that's okay. Uh, Talking about jury nullification. Now, here's the thing I want you to think about before you hear this clip. Jury nullification is something that juries have historically had the ability to do. A jury can nullify something. The idea that a judge can nullify a jury, the idea that a judge can say, I disagree with the jury, and I'm, gonna, I, I'm going to just override them, make them irrelevant, tells you what a tyrant this guy is. You, know, you might have a trial, a jury of your peers, which Donald Trump is not entitled to in this case. Despite the, the lies by the corporate media that Trump had the opportunity to have a jury trial, he did not. The New York State Attorney General, this is a civil case, not a criminal case. The New York Attorney General checked the form in the box that mandated that this would be a trial by judge, a bench trial. Now, because it's a, it's a civil case and not a criminal case, the president does not have, the former president, does not have the ability then to get a jury trial because of the laws of New York State, because of the, of the law they're prosecuting him under with this civil protection statute. And again, it's not, a, it's not a criminal case. Now, I would argue, though, that considering the, the enormity of the fine here, $250 million, that it has the, the fact of being a, death sentence, a corporate death sentence, it might as well be a criminal case because the punitive damages here that the state is seeking against him, no, no question about it, it's a, it's a massive loss of, 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 of property, of, of liberty, possibly of life. The guy may not have the ability to make money anymore. So I would defer to the Constitution of the United States. I would defer to the Fifth Amendment and argue that he should absolutely get a jury trial on this, that the, 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 the nature of the, of the fine is so egregious that it shouldn't be decided by one person. But here's uh, the judge going on about jury nullification. Cut two.
7: Now, I'm going to say something controversial. Even though I'm being taped, oh. juries get it wrong a lot. <laughs> That's my own opinion. I do only civil trials personal injury cases, contract disputes but I've had situations where like oh my my, heaven's sake how could they have thought that well I have a um, I have a tool that I can deal with that it's called jury notwithstanding the ver- judgment notwithstanding the verdict I can say there is no possible way that a reasonable jury would have reached that conclusion and, all right, am I following the law or am I making law? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm following law. I'm, I'm an impartial referee, but it's hard to factor out my own emotions. And I have tools. Somebody can say, well, Your Honor, you have to throw out this case because it's just like another case. Well, is it just like another case? What if the defendant was wearing a red sweater instead of a blue sweater? Oh, and and by the way, I worked for the Columbia Daily Spectator for a couple of weeks. What happened was I went there every day and I wrote a few stories. One I got criticized on because I wrote that some uh, Ku Klux Klaners had murdered some people and and I was told, you can't say that. How do we know you weren't there? That was what everybody thought. Anyway. Yeah, we should have absolute immunity. What if we defame somebody? Um, and that's how it usually comes up. You know, you call somebody a murderer or a heroin addict, that sort of thing, a pedophile. And if it's done in court, yeah, I think we should have absolute immunity.
0: If it's done in court, you know, I mean, this is the, the, the idea of the jury nullification here, this judge. He, he's, he's a complete and utter, utter, utter radical. Absolutely complete and utter radical. So, I mean, hey, listen, you know, when when the president of the United States is in court, the former, the Republican frontrunner, and says, this is not a fair trial. Believe me when I tell you it's not. The nature of what the state of New York is trying to do to this man. How is a $250 million fine, the destruction of his company, not considered so egregious that this should rise to a jury trial? It, it, this isn't a parking ticket here. This is the end of, of, the, of, of the Trump empire that he spent his entire life building and his father spent building before him. One guy gets to decide that? One guy? Here's a former president talking about how he's stuck here. He'd rather be campaigning. Cut number one.
8: Today, if you read the New York Law Journal, they basically say they have no case against Trump. But I'm here, stuck here, and I can't campaign. I'd rather be right now in Iowa. I'd rather be in New Hampshire or South Carolina But I'm stuck here because I have a corrupt Attorney General that communicates with the DOJ in Washington to keep me nice and busy. Because I'm leading Biden in the polls by a lot. That's all this is. This is election interference. They made up a fake case. They're fraudulent people. And the judge already knows what he's going to do. He's a Democrat judge. In all fairness to him, he has no choice. He has no choice. He's run by the Democrats. I know this city better than anybody knows this city. Nobody knows it like I do. He's a Democrat judge out of the clubhouses. He's controlled, and it's a shame. What's going on here is a shame. Our whole system is corrupt. This is corrupt, Atlanta is corrupt, and what's coming out of D.C. is corrupt. But this is a good one because this one is interesting very interesting why attend because i want to point it out to the press how corrupt it is because nobody else seems to be able to do it new york law journal journal said they did a very good job and others have done a good job they say there's no case here but we have a corrupt attorney general that tried to make a case thank you very much
0: Yeah, well, by the way, I want to wish a happy birthday to Sue Alberici, our buddy Sue, who is a great friend of the show. She's wonderful. She came to the Grand Hotel of Cape May last month. She had her shirt on that she custom made, along with Girl Chris, that said, dead whales don't vote, dead Democrats vote. Well done, Sue Alberici. Thank you for your friendship over the years, your wonderful support of the Zeoli Army, and all you do to help promote the show, because you are our marketing department, because I have un gots as they say for a marketing budget on I mean nothing so thank you and have a wonderful wonderful birthday road warrior i have no idea what you're talking about with a newsweek article is there a newsweek article matt DeSantis, that i'm missing
4: uh, in my show prep uh, let me see i let me see what he's referencing i don't know i got a
0: million things in here i've no idea what the hell he's talking about but it it's very very touchy if he sends me something and i don't give him proper attribution for it so
4: <laughs> we don't want to upset road Warrior.
0: i don't want to upset road warrior By the way, we'll be back, and he's coming. I'll be back at the uh, Grand Hotel on October 13th, Friday the 13th. Mark your calendar now. It's going to be a wonderful show, our our next live show. I got a bone to pick with Dave Skopinich. He thinks the movie should be called Cocaine Shepherd. No, it's Cocaine White House Dogs. Leave it to me, all right? You go out there and do the thing you do tonight, which is I don't know what you're doing exactly at the game tonight, which I don't know why I can't go, but whatever. I will come up with the movie titles, all right? Cocaine White House. house dogs because i want the white house cocaine aspect to be the part of the movie all right cocaine shepherd could be anybody's dog all right scope it's cocaine white house dogs that's the brother of tom Scopinich, of course the official Zioli army uh, attorney uh so friday the 13th we are going to be live at the grand hotel of cape may new jersey it's going to be fantastic matt Desantis, you just sent me the article here exclusive Uh, The FBI targets Trump followers as the 2024 election nears. Yeah, I had that. I was going to do it in the six o'clock hour. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) It's only only a four hour show. I don't have enough time. They really should give me five hours. Don't you think, Matt DeSantis? No, don't give them any ideas. Really should be on until at least 9 p.m. every day. No, I don't
4: want that. I really should be on from 6A to 7P every day. You've done it before, haven't you? Didn't you do like 12 hours or something a couple of weeks ago?
0: It wouldn't be the first time, wouldn't it be the last time. Oh, that reminds me too, you know, as I think about all this at the Grand Hotel Live, Henry's going to be there as well, the Santas will be there, we're going to have a great show. And I plan to uh, do something that will get uh, some major, major news that day. I may dress up in a whale costume and play dead on the floor of the Grand Hotel. <laughs> Again, I just gave away an idea. Now somebody's going to do it. Yeah, Glenn Beck's going to dress up in a whale costume and play dead. <laughs> this is what happens to me. This is what I got to deal with every single day. It's not easy. You know what I mean? It's that not would, easy being me.
4: That would not make for very good radio either.
0: No, it You're probably would not, right? in
4: there, yeah. Uh, here is,
0: uh, let me play this for you. I have another audio cut for you from, uh, today that I wanted to share with you. Uh, Chip Roy went nuclear on Matt Gates, And, you know, <laughs> I love Chip Roy, but Chip Roy is going to be another guy next week when he's seconding the nomination for Jim Jordan and Jim Jordan becomes a speaker. He's going to be one of the guys out there saying this is a great thing. So, again, all these people who are angry at Matt Gaetz or angry at me or angry at the other Republicans who wound up t- getting rid of the deadweight swamp creature that is Kevin McCarthy. When we get an actual man in there who knows how to fight, <coughs> excuse me, knows how to sell it to the American people, knows how to go to the mattresses, they will all going to be happy. They will all be happy at that point. Just remember that you are on the right side of history here. OK, you're on the right side of history. You can handle the slings and arrows. You're gonna get yelled at again tonight on certain national conservative radio shows. It's all right. By next week, everybody's gonna pretend like this never happened and that everybody was on the same team. Trust me. Mark my words. I'm not wrong about this stuff. Take a listen.
5: Some of our brothers and sisters, particularly in the um, you know uh, MAGA camp, I think, uh, particularly enjoy the circular firing squad. You want to come at me and call me a rhino? You can kiss my ass. Look. I've spent a lifetime fighting for limited government conservatism. I have laid it all on the line. I have not seen my family but for 2 days in the last 30 days. You go around talking your big game and you thumping your chest on Twitter. Yeah, come to my office and come have a debate, mother. You know why? Because I'm standing up for this country every single day. And Steve, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to go to a nunnery because there were people who were buried over in Normandy who deserve us to stand up for what they fought for. So that's what I'm going to do. And all of you out there who are out there saying what you're saying out on social media you stick it i'm going to go down to the floor and do my job and i'm going to stand up for the people who fought for this country and i'm going to do it the way i think is right for the people that i represent that's what i think
0: oh i mean i love chip roy love the guy and next week he'll be fine trust me he'll be just fine i want to uh share this with you now a reporter asked john kirby is there any responsibility for the president to be specific with the voters, but how long the United States should be willing to be involved in Ukraine? Remember what I told you at the start of this entire ordeal, all these people who are bashing Matt Gates, bashing me, bashing the Republicans that sided with Democrats to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. Notice how they never bash the Republicans who side with Democrats to keep this perpetual funding of Ukraine. Everybody, for the most part, not everybody, but I shouldn't say everybody, for the most part, 95% of the people who are angry about what happened to Kevin McCarthy are pro-Ukraine funding. They're pro-the-war in Ukraine. Absolutely, they are. Many of the hosts who are yelling at you absolutely think the United States of America needs to be doing whatever it takes in Ukraine, for as long as it takes in Ukraine. They sound just like Democrats. They might yell and call me a Marxist, but... Sorry, I'm on the right side of this too. And I know you're with me on this point. See, the problem is Kevin McCarthy had his Ukraine pin on and the only reason why he didn't have Zelensky in the House to address the full Congress is that he got enough pushback from, from members saying, you're going to make it too obvious here as we're trying to put Ukraine funding into the CR. These Republicans wanted that money into the CR so that they didn't have to go back and tell their constituents, yeah, I voted to give Ukraine whatever it wants. And these people, these phonies... They all are in on funding Ukraine till the end of time, if that's what it takes. McCarthy is the biggest guy to do it for two reasons. Number one, he's a neocon. Sorry, but he is. Number two, he wants that defense contracting money when he leaves the house one day. He wants to go on the board of Raytheon or, or, or whatever, you know, any, name the company. And he wants to get uh, consulting gigs and, 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 and all kinds of fees. And they don't want to upset the military industrial complex. There's too much money to be made there. That's the reality. That's the bottom line. So play the game and you'll, you'll, you'll get your payday. McCarthy is a swamp creature who wants to get really, really rich. And he will. He's a young guy. He'll get rich. He'll, he'll retire a very, very rich man. He will, when he decides to give it all up one day, had he gone down this trajectory, he would retire a very rich man. But he can't be seen as a kook. Oh, and he also has to make sure that defense industrial contractors are all happy with him. That's the bottom line. Cut
3: 16. Does, is there any responsibility for the president to be specific about, with the voters, about how long he is, he thinks the United States should be willing to be involved in this? Should he be willing to say two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, like how long you know, is does does he commit the United States to to being in this system in this situation of of
7: what is costing tens and tens of billions of dollars on a regular basis?
0: For as long as it takes means for as long as it takes. And the President has been very, very honest about that. Um, every other leader on the call also um, in their own way, emphasized the their commitment again for as long as it takes. Now look, I mean, everybody, <laughs> We'd all like this war to end tomorrow. It could if Mr. Putin would do the right thing. Certainly, the Ukrainians want it to end. Nobody wants to see this go on any longer. Yeah, I, I, but but it's up to but it, but that's not answering the question. How how long does this go on? If it goes on longer, how long is long? How long is is the question? Very very simple. That's the question. How long is too long? We have no idea. All right, big fourth and final hour coming up. Crime in Philadelphia. We're going to check in with our buddies down at the ballpark and more on this Ukraine nonsense. 855-839-1210. Listen, NJ Diet's going to help you lose weight. 20 to 40 plus pounds contractually guaranteed in only 40 days time. That's right. You will lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds with no shots, no hormones, no surgery, no prepackaged food with NJDiet.com. And there are locations close by in Newark, Delaware, King of Prussia, and in Cherry Hill. You don't want to take shots the rest of your life. You don't want to take pills with all the side effects and everything else. You want real weight loss that is customized to your unique biochemistry. See NJ Diet uses customized solutions for your body specific to you and then you learn to keep the weight off. You get your body into the fat-burning zone all naturally, and then you keep the weight off. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. NJDiet.com or 855-5NJDiet. 855-5NJDiet. You can do this. Just in time for everybody bulking up for the holidays and trying to hide their fat under their ugly Christmas sweaters, you will be looking good and feeling your best. So do it today njdiet.com and lose the weight for good.
1: Rich Seeley, weekday afternoons, three seven. Talk radio, twelve ten. W P H T and on the Free Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.